Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Today I would like to speak on the subject, the power of good. The power of good. I cannot express adequately how grieved I have been over the last number of weeks. My heart, heart has been cut into what seemed like a thousand pieces at times. I grieved for the family of George Floyd and his unjust and unnecessary death. I grieved for the African-American community who have yet another example that says your lives don't matter as much as others. I grieve for our communities in Cincinnati who feel powerless, overlooked, and belittled. I grieved for the business owners who face the profound and compounded loss at the hands of those who sought to take advantage of a just cry. I grieve for those police officers who serve honorably and selflessly and who have become the lightning rod of anger due to the horrendous actions of the out of touch and the out of line. I grieve for the first responder families of these courageous men and women who were faced with the reality of the cost of genuine public service. My heart grieved and grieves. What I was reminded of in all of this is that evil is present in our world. If we thought it had somehow slipped out of town when COVID came onto the scene, we were sadly mistaken. Evil is still here. And it is as present and as destructive as it ever has been. It changes names and it changes locations, but evil hasn't gone into quarantine. It didn't leave the world after the Christians were thrown into the Colosseum and fed to lions in Rome. It didn't leave after the emancipation of the slaves in America. It didn't leave after Hitler died in Germany. Evil has existed for a long time, and unfortunately, evil remains today. And God tried to keep evil from the human experience. In fact, when God created humanity, he told him not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He wanted to keep humanity from experiencing the depths of evil that God knew existed because he knew Satan. He knew Satan who fell from heaven. He knew what existed in evil. And God knew the only remedy for evil was good. And so God created a world. And every time he created something in that world, he said, that's good. Because good overcomes evil. So he created light, and he said, good, that is good. 
good overcomes evil. He created the atmosphere. He created land. He created the planets, the fish, and the birds, and the animals. And he said, that's good. Then he created humanity. And he didn't just say it was good. He said it was very good because he knew that good always overcomes evil. And so God wanted humanity to stay away from evil. And so he created, or he had that tree in the garden that was forbidden. That tree of the knowledge of good and evil that was not to be eaten. God had created the world and he built it on good. And it was his intention that creation live in perpetual good. And he knew that at the end of the day, good would overcome evil. If only humanity would trust God's goodness. Would they trust what he had created? Would they trust the goodness he had put in the world? But evil existed there in the garden because it was what allowed love to be experienced and realized. If Adam and Eve would choose to obey God, they would be able to demonstrate their trust in God, and ultimately, they would show that they loved God, and they wanted a relationship with him, and he, in turn, wanted a real love-based relationship with them, and so evil existed in the garden. But Adam and Eve could not withhold their desire to know good and evil. And they decided to reach for the, what was forbidden. The evil one had convinced them that knowing evil would make them equal to God. If they could somehow know evil, because I submit they already knew good. Everything God had created was good. But the enemy somehow convinced them if they could know evil along with the good, they could be like God. And so Satan says, for God knows in Genesis 3, 5, that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and knowing evil. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he Eight. And there's something very real in this passage that I want you to understand. Wisdom is knowing good and evil. She desired good and evil because it would make her wise. And so they ate of the fruit. And both of their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And so it begins. Good and evil. Wisdom becomes the mark of humanity. And wisdom that was only in the hands of God is now taken out of the hands of God and grabbed by humanity. And now humanity was in control of what's good and what's evil. 
Humanity knows best. Humanity has it all figured out. Humanity now would dictate what is good and what is evil. Humanity felt they could overcome evil. We know how to do this. We've got this. Here's the reality. Evil is never satisfied. Evil has never had enough. It would only take one generation for evil to do what evil does. And evil brings death. Human wisdom in that moment with Cain said, I I don't really like what's happening in my situation. I don't like how I feel in this moment. So in order for Cain to overcome the evil that he felt was perpetuated on him, he said, I will hate you. And so the Lord sees this hate and he comes to Cain and he said, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin or evil lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. There's enough goodness that you should rule over it. Hatred has one path, and that's to kill. What's I believe is important for us to understand is when we think of evil, we think of darkness, but evil has roots. Let me tell you where evil's roots are. Evil is rooted in selfishness. And when Cain killed Abel, and God asked him, where is Abel, your brother? Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? I'm all about me. I don't have to deal with anybody else. You see, evil is rooted in selfishness. And God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground See, human wisdom says, I am only responsible for myself. I take no interest in your whereabouts. Your life doesn't matter as much as mine. Evil is self-centered. Evil is self-serving. And that's why God would be so adamant to tell us not to be proud. Because pride is evil. From Cain until now, man has struggled to know good and evil. And evil has been present at a high level. Evil, like a snake wrapped around a branch, has clung to the hearts and minds of mankind. And every day, man has grappled with this idea of good and evil. Man has tried to create its own version of wisdom a wisdom that is born out of selfishness and being self-absorbed. It would be King Solomon who would recognize humanity's inability to really know good and evil. And when God asked him, Solomon, of all the things I could give you, what do you want? Here's what Solomon said. Therefore, give to your servant, give to me an understanding heart, to judge your people 
that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The Bible says the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And then God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for a long life, you haven't asked for riches, you haven't asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your word. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. We think wisdom is this ability to just make good decisions. God said wisdom, real wisdom, is to know between good and evil. And Solomon prayed that he would be able to know good and evil, not for himself, not so he could obtain riches and wealth, but so he could help the people. True knowledge of good and evil comes only from God. Apart from God, our attempts to understand good and evil is a pocket full of holes. It's impossible. He says, this wise man, the wisest man to ever live, said, help me to understand good and evil. The prophet Isaiah speaks about humanity's attempts to determine good versus evil. And Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Those who have this sense of human wisdom, this sense of knowing what to do, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. And I want to say emphatically today, pleasure has become the hallmark of human wisdom. Pleasure is the crowning achievement of human wisdom. That's as good as it gets. God said, Your wisdom pales in comparison to my wisdom. And he says to them, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. He said in verse 22, woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man. The human wisdom seeks pleasure. It seeks its own, its own fulfillment. And James would tell us about wisdom. And he asked the question, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? that war in your members. You lust 
and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. He says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. But I preached about it a couple weeks ago, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he said, God resists the proud. Literally, he wars against the proud. Why? Because pride is evil. Pride is evil. And the sooner we understand that, the better off we are. Pride, God resists, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the evil one, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. He's saying, humble yourselves. And then he says in verse 13, come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. But now you boast in your ignorance or your arrogance. And he says, all boasting is evil. Hmm. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, him It is sin. At the end of Moses' life, he would remind the people what evil and good are. He says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Simply put, evil brings death. Good brings life. Death is that product of selfishness and pride. One that Satan, the evil one, motivated Adam and Eve to dive into. He couldn't understand why humanity wouldn't want to know good and evil. But God, who understood all aspects of good and evil tried to get humanity to just trust his goodness, that his goodness was enough. But no, humanity said, no, I want to understand evil as well. But just as death is the product of selfishness and pride, life is the product of love. And life is the product of one who loved us more than anyone. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I've come to bring life into the world. When evil tried to shut down humanity at its beginning, he said, no, I'm still gonna bring life and goodness into the world. And so the Bible says he gave, he gave, he gave. You see, life is a result of giving. Creation is a result 
of giving. Creation was not just so God could have something in return, but he gave us creation as a gift to us, and it was good. And so Moses said, I have set before you life and good, death and evil. And what I want us to understand today is that only God really knows good and evil. We may think we do, but the real knowledge of good and evil belongs to God. He understands more than you and I do. The shame and the horror and the results of sin. He himself took on that shame. He himself felt the results of the shame that Adam and Eve felt. What happened when their eyes were open? They understood they were naked. And Jesus went to the cross. We don't show it this way for good reason. But Jesus was naked on the cross. He felt the shame. He felt the guilt. He felt the evil. And so over and over, God warns us with godly wisdom. And David would pin the words, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it over and over. That's the godly wisdom. That is the wisdom from above. Amos the prophet would say, for I know your manifold transgressions. And God said, I know your mighty sins, afflicting the just, taking bribes, diverting the poor from justice at the gate. Therefore, the prudent keep silent at that time, for it is an evil time. He said, seek good and not evil, that you may live. Seek good and not evil that you may live. So the Lord God of hosts will be with you as you have spoken. Hate evil. Love good. Establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Paul would tell the church in Rome that evil, though, was not just this outside force. We look around and we see the evil. We sense it. We're troubled by it. Our hearts are stirred by it all. But Paul would tell the church in Rome and he would tell us that the reality of evil is present in all of us. He would say in Romans chapter 7, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. I really want to do good. I have it in the back of my head that I really want to do good. He said, but in my flesh, I can't really do good. And he says, for the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. He said, I find in a law that evil is present with me. And I want us all to understand that today. I want us all to understand that none of us escape the reality of evil. None of us escape the reality of evil. But he said... For I delight 
in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. He's talking about this warring and he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who's going to deliver me from this body of evil? He said, there's only one thing, somebody good. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. That I overcome evil with the goodness of God through Jesus Christ. And so Paul would continue talking to this church that was in the city of Rome, a city that was wrought with classism, a city that was wrought with racism and sexism, Paul would tell this church, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. He said, love without hypocrisy, love without prejudice, love without partiality. Jesus demonstrated this kind of love while he was raised in a culture that was pretty prejudiced against other cultures and segments of society. He chose to love without hypocrisy. And so children who had no voice in society, he would say, come to me, all you children. I'm not pushing you away. I invite you to come. To women who had no standing in society, he sat there and listened to their petitions. The Samaritans, who were another race altogether, who were considered dogs in that environment, yet he said, I need to go to them. To the Romans, who were evil, and those who crucified him, yet he hung on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them. That is love without hypocrisy. And you and I, are recipients of that love without hypocrisy. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even in our most evil of state, Christ said, you're worth it. Why? Because good always overcomes evil. Oh, hallelujah. So Jesus would say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Paul would say, don't let how you love be determined by who you think deserves love. And all of us have a propensity for that. We love people based on how much they can bring into our lives. We love partially. We love partly. If you're bringing something into my life, if you can add pleasure to my life, then I invite you into my life. But he says, Paul says, don't let your love be with hypocrisy. James would tell the early church who struggled with partiality and prejudice. He said, but the wisdom that is from above, 
not human wisdom. The wisdom that's from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's a tall order. But we're called to love without hypocrisy. We're to abhor evil. Abhor means to detest utterly, view with horror, hate evil. Hate things that bring death. Hate things that bring unjust physical death. Hate things that bring unjust emotional death. But let me add something equally or more important to our lives. Hate what brings spiritual death. What in your life is bringing you spiritual death? You need to hate it. You need to abhor it. And he says, Paul says, let your love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. That word cling there means glue, cement, or fasten. What do we do? Paul said, we are crucified with Christ. That in the midst of an evil world, evil that is all around us, what are we to do? We're to cling. We're to cling to a cross where the goodness of God flows, where his blood and his mercy flows. And so I cling to an old rugged cross. What are you clinging to today? It's one thing to hate evil, but you got to cling to what is good. What is good? The only thing that's good is God. And so Paul writes, and I conclude with this today, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, Distributing to the needs of saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who curse you. He's not just writing this, he's quoting Jesus. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. I'd love to feel like I was just preaching to the crowd today, but that one strikes a little bit close to home. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Adam and Eve... You reached for good and evil. You wanted to know. You wanted to have wisdom. You wanted something to make you wise. And your own wisdom, human wisdom, brought one thing, and that was death. Your opinion, my opinion, is not enough to change this world. 
Let me say it again. My opinion is not enough to change this world. But there is a wisdom from above. There's a wisdom that loves the unlovable. There's a wisdom that is without partiality. And so, Paul says, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much depends on you, live peaceably with all men. He says, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will reap coals of fire on his head. And Paul says, do not be overcome by evil. Do not be overcome by evil. But overcome evil with good. Don't let your heart be overcome with evil. Don't let your heart be overcome with just your opinion. But overcome evil with good. Overcome evil in this world with the love and the grace and the mercy of God. Because good will always overcome evil. Jesus would be our example. He would be the example of good. And so the writer of Psalms 34 said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Adam and Eve, they didn't trust the goodness of God. And it led to one place. And I feel you and I have that same opportunity. What are we going to trust in? Whose goodness? Whose goodness are you going to trust in? What talking head's goodness are you going to trust in? I want to see and I want to taste that the Lord is good. And I want to put my trust in his goodness. God would send his goodness into the world through Jesus Christ because good overcomes evil every time. And so when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins or our debts as we forgive those who debt or trespass against us. And he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Evil is going to always be present while we're in this life. And we need the goodness of heaven to come to earth. John, in John, Jesus said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. 
He said, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Keep them from having our minds saturated by the evil one. Paul would say, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And I want to tell you today that light always overcomes darkness. Good always overcomes evil because evil is the absence of God. It's the absence of power. Darkness is the absence of light. Darkness is just a void. Darkness is just a space waiting for light to show up. And the only way for darkness to win is for light to be absent. In the first day of creation, God said, I'm going to bring something good into the world. It's not the sun, moon, and stars. He said, let there be light. That's not the sun, moon, and stars. That would come later. Let there be light. Let there be power. Let there be goodness. And light always overcomes evil. I don't care how evil it feels, how dark it feels. Light will always overcome evil. Will you stand with me? And so because of this, because I look to Jesus Christ for goodness, I don't have to fear evil. I don't have to fear evil when I know good. I don't have to fear evil when I know good. As I close today, I'm not going to invite you to come to the front. We're going to stay right where we are this week. But I want to pray for us, and I'm going to use a passage of Scripture to pray. And I hope as I'm reading it that you'll pray this prayer. This is a great prayer, and I encourage you to pray it in your private time with the Lord. But it demonstrates for us that God is not afraid of the darkness around us. He's not afraid of the evil around us. So I ask you to close your eyes, bow your head with me today. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, Lord, are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely, goodness, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Evil doesn't get to follow me all the days of my life, but your goodness gets to follow me all the days of my life. Your mercy that comes from your goodness follows me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in your house forever and ever and ever. Amen. Would you just acknowledge the Lord today? Invite his goodness into your life. Invite his mercy into your life. Would you bow your heart? Would you bow your uh, human wisdom to his wisdom today and say, God, help me. Help me, Lord, to be humble to you. God, don't let evil overtake me. Don't let pride overcome me, Lord. But Lord, I humble my heart before you today. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.